Uh, we're privileged to hear not, um, not just from Emil, but from um, Dr. Tharwat Waba this morning. Um, Dr. Tharwat is uh, a leader in the church in Egypt. Um, he is, first of all, a professor of mission and evangelism and chair of the mission department at the Evangelical the- Theological Seminary of Cairo, where he trains many, many of the future leaders of the church uh, of Egypt. And he is also um, the chairman of the Pastoral Outreach and Missions Council of the Synod of the Nile. The Synod of the Nile um, is, a, in some ways, a sister denomination of ours, of about 400 Presbyterian churches uh, that are laboring for the gospel in Egypt. Um, Dr. Tharwat is really a dynamic leader of the church in Egypt to, that has really helped to transition them to a new mindset. Um, really, Christians are only about 10% of the population in Egypt, and Dr. Tharwat has helped to really catalyze a change of attitude among the churches of, Richmond, uh, churches of Egypt. Um, instead of thinking themselves as sort of a beleaguered minority in survival, to think of themselves as a movement on mission with Jesus, as they have start, helped to start many, many new churches and are evangelizing in many different new areas in Egypt. And so we've learned a lot this weekend from him about how we also can be a part of the missionary movement of God around the world. So I'm going to pray uh, and then read God's word. So let's pray. Our Father, we're so thankful that this morning we can just get a small taste of the global communion that we are a part of, and we pray now for the reading and preaching of your word that we would not just hear your word today, but we would be changed by it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So hear God's word, friends, from Isaiah 52, verses 7 through 10. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's my joy and pleasure to be with you this morning, bringing you greetings from your brothers and sisters from the church in Egypt. Uh, As Kuri said, Kuri is Korean in Arabic. (laughs) Yeah, Kuri means Korean. But uh, no, you are not a Korean. You are an Egyptian. Egyptian. Yeah, okay. Uh, Kuri told me that I can say jokes in this... uh, serves, but uh, I prefer not, because uh, jokes will, uh, will, will uh, take, take time from the Word of God. So I will go directly to the Word of God. These verses, each one of them has a message for us. So it will not uh, be a Presbyterian uh, sermon of three points and two notes in the end. It will be a, a, a bit different. So I'll go in each verse of these and see what God is want, wanting us to listen from him 
today. People in Jerusalem, after the exile, the city is destroyed. The temple is completely finished. No religious leaders for the community. And those who are in Jerusalem were in great evil. They were lost, no hope, no thinking of any good things to come. From now and then they hear cries coming, but when they come, they found more destruction, more uh, wars, more evil happening. And while they are desperate, they are sad, they are lost. Suddenly, and after of tens of years of silence, suddenly they hear a voice, a cry coming from far, from the mountains. And they see happy feet is coming, jumping, and proclaiming, and saying, peace, good tidings, salvation. Peace, good tidings, salvation. And when they come to Zion, they say, your God reigns. Jerusalem, Zion, you are desperate to hear good news. Here are good news for you. Here is a gospel message to you. God, your God reigns. And when God reigns, then we can see these blessings. Then we can hear this message. And this message is the message of peace. Those who are in fear, those who are suffering, those who has war around them, they are worried from inside and their fears from outside, they hear the message, peace. Peace only in God. Peace only comes when your God reigns. In this world that we are living in, we are living in, people are seeking for peace. In the Middle East, in Africa, in Asia, in, in America, in our homes, even in, inside ourselves, the insecurity sometimes we feel, we need to hear this message of peace. Christ is our peace, and he is the prince of peace, and he is the one who built peace between us as sinners and God the Father. He came and he proclaimed and he evangelized us with the peace in Jesus Christ. Yes, we need the message of the gospel of peace. In our fears, in our hard times, we need God's reign 
in our lives of peace. But it is not only peace. When your God reigns, then good tidings, re restoring. The word good tidings here in the original language is used in the story of creation. When God created everything and he founded it good. So the gospel message brings the good news that God is bringing good tidings again to his people, to the lives who lost every good thing in their life. The world that we are living in is seeking for good things, good tidings, and they don't find that except in Jesus, the king who will come and bring the good news, the good things. God is, is the good God. So he brings good tidings to his people. And also, when your God reigns, he doesn't bring only peace and good tidings, but also he will bring salvation. Salvation. Those who were captives under the uh, enemy, God is bringing to them salvation. And they were crying, God save us. And now they, they listen to this proclamation of salvation. Salvation from slavery, salva salvation from sin. It's a message of hope for those who are depressed under their sins, under the addiction, those who are margin marginalized in their communities. They hear this gospel message of salvation. Your God reigns. In this verse, we see one feet, one messenger bringing good news to the needy people in Zion. But then, in verse 8, we see a group. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Who are these watchmen? Who left the voice? They are the people who were crying for God, who were intercessing for Jerusalem, for the people who were in evil. Those who are, we see about them in many uh, parts of the Old Testament, people who were guarding the walls of Jerusalem, praying, waiting for God to come back. They lift up their voices. Together, they shout for joy. It's noisy. It's noisy, like we were singing. Joyful noise, joyful happiness. Why? Why are you so happy? What happened that you watchmen, after all of these years of watching and, and waiting, what happened? It says here, when the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Those people, the Bible told us, 
that these people saw God with his glory leaving his people. In Ezekiel chapters 8 to 11, we see a picture of God's glory leaving his people, leaving the Holy of Holies, going out into the temple, going out onto the mountain, the, the, the walls of the city, and going out into the mountains, leaving his people. And this watchman who saw the glory of God leaving, now, after many years of waiting, they saw him with their own eyes, they saw him coming back. There were many people who were watching. And when in the Christmas, we see Simon and we see Hannah who were waiting and they saw God coming back in the baby Jesus with his glory to his people. The, the disciples and the, the people of Jerusalem were seeing in the uh, entering of Jesus in the Palm Sunday that the king is coming back with his glory to the capital of his kingdom. Those people now can see God's glory coming back. And how wonderful it is for us as a church as families, as people of God, when we have the glory of God upon us, his presence filling our life, filling our ministry, filling our churches, our leaders, we, we can see it. We cannot miss it. We can see it with, own, with our own eyes. God wants his glory to be upon his people. And he wants us to ask for that and to see it with our own eyes. So, happy feet of the gospel. And then, watchmen, they join the choir with joy and happiness because God is coming back with this message to his people. And then, at verse 9, burst it into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. These are the whole people of Jerusalem. They joined the choir. They joined the song. They now start to, to, to have joy together because God is coming back for the Lord has comforted his people. And this is the message they needed at that time. They were in sadness, in darkness. And then they hear this message, though so their hearts became comfort. The, the sadness start to, to, to go away. They are restored, their hearts are restored. Many times in our lives, we need the comfort of the Holy Spirit to come to our lives. The comfort of people, sometimes it's good, but sometimes it increases the wounds we have. So we need the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the comfort 
of Jesus to come, the real comfort that comes to us. And this comfort has a price. It is not without a root. The root for our comfort is the redemption. He has redeemed Jerusalem. To enjoy that, we need, we need a redeemer. And the word here used for redeem means somebody who paid a price. It's an economical uh, expression of somebody who paid a price to save something or to uh, take something free, to buy something and set it free. In, in, in the villages in Egypt, you see uh, the, the older brother. I'm an older brother, but it didn't happen with me. But the older brother who gives his life to work on the fields without going to school, to, to pay with his father for his brothers and sisters to get better education, better life. And he stays in the village with very hard hands while his brothers and sisters enjoy good life. This is a, a, a picture of redemption. Somebody pays from his life, from his hopes, from his future, from his money. It costs, the redemption costs. And our Lord Jesus gave his own life, his blood, as a price to redeem us from our sins. In him, we have the redemption because we were redeemed with a price. So, in all of these verses, we see good news and we see God for us. God bringing us all the blessings, proclaiming salvation, peace, good tidings, giving us comfort, joy, happiness, redemption. All of these things tells us that God loves us and gave us abundant life, abundant blessings. But God didn't give us all of these things for us to be selfish, to keep it for ourselves, to enjoy the choir of alike Christians and just to worship and joy and thank because of his blessings, as if we are the center of the world and God is there working just for us and for covering our needs and blessings our lives. But here, the, the goal of, every, of, of all of that comes in verse 10. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. This is the goal. Not for us to keep it for ourselves, but that all 
the earth will see and all the nations will look and see God's work. This word, holy arm, his holy arm, can tell us something. Sometimes we can see the holy arm that here is God with his power coming for his people and to destroy the enemy. To show the people of the world how strong he is by destroying the enemies and their powers. Yes, sometimes God is using that. But here in this verse, in this part of Isaiah, he didn't mean that. But there is another meaning of the arm, of the holy arm of God. Look at chapter 53 of Isaiah, verse 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? What is this? The arm of the Lord? Wrong question. Who is this? The arm of the Lord. Verse 2. He grow up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Who is he talking about? About the suffering servant of God. About Jesus. This is the real arm of God. The power of God is not to destroy or to kill the enemies or the nations. But the power of God is for him to give his only begotten son on the cross. So all nations, all the earth, all the people of the world will see the power of his salvation. In the cross, we see the power of the love of God. Sometimes we, we see uh, enemies of the gospel, enemies of the church, who are attacking, trying to kill Christians and to, to cleanse the Middle East from Christians. Sometimes our people, they think, oh God, come and destroy them. But God has another plan. And we saw many people came to Christ, recognizing that the power is not in weapons, but the power is in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here, verse 7, one feet, and then watchmen, a group, and then all people. And then in verse 10, we see all the earth. And, and on the final day, we will see this picture from all nations from all tribes, from all tongues. They all will come and worship the Lamb of God. And this is our message today. Not to enjoy the blessings, but to share the gospel message. The world needs to hear that. And there is no one else in this world can do that but us, but the church. 
That's why we have been called for that. And this is what Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to, uh, and 15. He quoted this verse saying, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Yes, we are called for that. To be sent. We are sent. Some of us are sent for cross-cultural mission. Some of us are, are sent for a long term, some for a short term, some for full-time ministry. But all of us, all of us are called to be witnesses. All of us are called to give the gospel message, the good news in our circles, in our homes, in our families, in our streets. Now, in this world where not anymore the, the, the mission is from the west to the rest, now the mission is from everywhere to everywhere, you can do mission in your house. Next door to you, you can, in your street, there are needy people to hear the good news. And you are called, you are sent, you are a missionary in your circle. And God will not find anybody else in the Old Testament, the people, the, the Israelites, they didn't understand their role. And they kept God only and the blessings only for themselves. But in the New Testament, God is calling his church to go and to proclaim the, the gospel. And he has no other people. We are his messengers. We are his witness. Should we obey his call, or just to keep it for ourselves. No, let us not to keep it for ourselves, but to share it with the needy world around us. Let's pray. I don't know what is your call. What call God is asking you to fulfill in your life? But I know that each one has a role to play in this great commission in carrying on the gospel message. Lord, help me, my brothers and sisters, to see our role in the great commission and to obey your voice. In Jesus' name, amen.